What's up, soccer players? On this episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience, we have a special guest, Jimmy Da of JD Soccer, here to talk to soccer players about how to return from injury and some tips that you can do to smooth your return to play. So, hope you enjoy the show. Let's start off very, very basic. Will a six-pack help me as a soccer player? Logically. Why pre-game meals are important. If you do strength training, you can generate more force on the ground. It will take you less stride to get that ball. Until you get there, you can make that up with hard work and dedication and training. On top of it, right? So if you're a player that has little to no training history, imagine the, the gains and speed that you can get in such a short period of time because you're doing things. This is why strength training is important. I don't care how you do your strength training. I don't you know some people like to go to the gym. I just wanted to double down on that really quick. The point is you have to get stronger. Hello, soccer players. Welcome to the latest episode of the Soccer Fitness Experience. It is me, your co-host, Andy, with my main man, Berg. Berg, how are you doing today, bro? Freezing. It's freezing, bro. I don't know if we're getting that Arctic blast in the Northeast, but let me tell you, I'm inside my house and I'm cold. <laughs> and I can't bump the heat because I don't want to pay too much money for the heat, which is another thing, you, Andy, you're going to discover once you get a house. Like, no. you can, <laughs> that heating bill is going to be scary, bro. Oh. <laughs> sweater oh, and sweatpants inside a house. Not ready for that yet, man. I'm good, man. Um, I'm I'm very very warm in my 12 by 12 room in my small apartment um, outside New York City with my heating bill nice and low. Um, but yeah, life is good. Just found out uh, moving to Orlando to uh, to do a, a program that I'll tell you all about later, maybe on another episode. But um, yeah, life is good for me. Thank you, thank you. But today is not about me and you. We have another guest um, in this pretty long guest series we've been doing. I hope you guys have been enjoying all the guests we've we've been bringing on. Uh, today we're also here by video too. Um, so hope you guys enjoy the visuals and get to see us interact and connect with each other. If you guys do want to watch the video, uh, we'll have the YouTube video linked up in, in the description. Um, but today we have Jimmy Da, a doctor of physical therapy from California here to talk to you guys about return to play, uh, returning from injury, making that step from the clinic to being back on the field at your best 100%. Jimmy Dow, welcome to the show, man. Hey, hey, how's it going? I'm glad to be here. Doing good, man, doing good. How's life in California? Nice and sunny? Nice and sunny, man. Hearing from Berg, it's, uh, it's a different world out here. No, it's um, different. Yeah, I mean, we get some rain in the 50s, but um, majority of the time where we get some sunshine and, and some warm weather, so. <laughs> yeah, out here talking. in the 50s, people wear, people wear a tank top and, 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 and short pants, man. <laughs> we're a little crazy when it comes to weather. Oh, man, I this guy's really, he's really it. talking 50s out here, man. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's what I'm <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's a whole different world, man. But yeah, man, welcome to the show. Uh, let, let's learn more about you. Let's tell the people where you're from. Give us like your introduction and your journey to, to where you're at right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm born and raised Fresno, California. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's like right in the middle of California, Central Valley, um, three hours from basically San Francisco and LA and about a nice one and a half, two hour drive to Yosemite. So I call that my backyard. 
Nice. Um, yeah, I grew up, you know, playing soccer here in the area. Um, spent a good amount of my childhood just outside, you know, because we can with our 50s and 60s. <laughs> um, and uh, from there, just, you know, got into organized competitive sports, um, made my way through high school, mostly actually back and forth between soccer and basketball. And um, went on to play a little bit of uh, some club, competitive club in college. And, uh, you know, just slowly grew from, from being the athlete to being the professional that works with them. Professional that works with them. I, I love that. And what, like, what do you do? Like, what kind of, what, what would you put yourself in terms of, of a box? Or do you put yourself in a box in terms of what you do for soccer players? Yeah, so um, I don't. I don't like boxes. I want to be outside. You know, I'm, I'm an outdoorsman. So um, I'm going to get out of that 12 by 12 box, you know, just like you in there <laughs> and uh, make my way out to the field. So I think that uh, when I define what I do, I like to think of physical therapy and performance as a spectrum. And so, you know, I like to bridge that gap between traditional physical therapy and sports performance, in this case, specifically soccer performance. Nice, nice. And that, that soccer performance aspect, how do you kind of tailor that to the players you work with? Because I know a lot of players, they, they message you, me and probably Berg as well, and they say, hey, like I finished my rehab, but I'm not there yet. The job is unfinished. And oftentimes the player will, will kind of take that end of rehab into their own hands. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, so how do you kind of navigate that, that weird gap where players are done with the clinic, but they're not ready for the field yet? Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people out there trying to do different things to help bridge that gap. And, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen it in your clinical environments as well, you and Berg, but, uh, I, I think one of the best things you can do from an athlete's perspective is just keep communication with the people that have gotten you that far. Um, oftentimes, you know, the, the PT or, or whoever works in that office with them is, is more than willing to, to try to help you bridge that gap. And so it's important to try to ask the right questions, you know, when you're unsure. Um, talk, if you're coming back from surgery, talk to the, the doctors as well. Make sure that they're, you know, comfortable with where you're at, what you're doing. Um, and from there, you know, keep it simple. Don't try to overcomplicate the process. Um, try to focus on the things that, that have worked for you and, um, you know, make it slow progress. Don't worry about rushing back um, and missing, you know, to, to, to make sure you don't miss that next game. It's all about playing for the next five, 10, you know, 15 plus years. That's the goal. Jimmy, I feel like in my experience, that's, that's, I feel like there's a lack of education. And, I, and like you said, a lack of communication too on, on, on both ends, from the PT and from the player. Like for me, I get the other end of the spectrum where kids are trying to like rush back to playing um, right after PT. Like I had a guy texting me saying, hey, um, I'm trying to get back. Uh, what, what can I do? And I just had an ACL injury. And I was like, how long ago was this injury? Oh, you know, like um, a 
five months ago, you done with PT? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm done with PT like the first three months and I'm ready to go back. Now, there's a lack of education and communication here from either from, sometimes you tell the players, they, 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 they don't listen, it goes from one year to another. Sometimes the PT are not educated enough to know that, hey, you know, there, there needs to be like, like proper transition from rehab, from, from physical therapy, to um to actually playing there there this is another step and i don't know if you know that in in our world that that transition is actually known enough you know it's like the 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 progress just doing pt and then going back to sports it's 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 like a it's like going from zero to 100 and sadly right yeah we had a friend we had a friend who does basically what you do and he, he shows me um videos of of his clients after pt and it's like it's <laughs> it's it's concerning you know kids all can't even land on one single leg single leg hop you know it's, it's the landing is, is not clean i'm changing the direction to the knee vagus is, is is kind of crazy uh yeah. and those those kids just came right out right out of pt and um they were trying to go back to sports. And the other thing yeah, we know this as well, the other leg, the other leg that's injured in, in terms of an injury, the other leg is significantly weaker too. So it's one of the things that's not being addressed. So I think, I don't know, man, I do feel like there's enough, you know, obviously like education, but do, do you feel like it's, there's enough education in, in our world? Like, are we, are we communicating enough? Um, do we know that there's a, actual transition from rehab um, to playing sport? Do we know this? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think to answer that, you know, it's important to notice that there's some PTs out there that are going that extra mile to, to help bring that communication and that education. And there's others that are obviously falling short, you know, and it shows when you have all these these kids that show up, like, like you said, they're, they're just not moving with great mechanics yet. They don't have the strength. Um, they don't even realize that their uninvolved leg, the one that didn't get hurt, um, is significantly weaker and now at greater risk of injury unless they work on it. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you have a friend that's doing similar things to me because there really is room for so many professionals to grow into this space and try to bridge that gap for all these athletes. Um, it's definitely an area that's underserved right now. And these kids need that, that resource to, to help um, guide them all the way back to, uh, to playing at full, like 100%, not just on the field, but like, you know, competing at, at their full potential. And I feel like that phase, that return to play, to play phase, that should be a little bit more influx of us PTs actually Tackling, tackling this because yeah. unfortunately you know most of us work in outpatient physical therapy and the, the business model does kind of like hinder us from actually doing this I mean, it's kind of impossible to do this in the clinic even if you can you know with the influx of patient that we have is it's, it's kind of hard absolutely so, yeah let's let's talk about what players are currently doing correctly um when it comes to return to play in general there, there's obviously a lot we can improve on but there's got to be things that players can say 
hey, I, I've done this before. It's worked for me before. Um, I'm going to do it again. And we want to share that with you guys. So, um, Jimmy, what do you think like players have been doing well so far when it comes to general return to play from injury? Yeah, so, you know, there's some variance there. But like you said, you know, you want to learn from those positive examples. And I think one thing that stands out to me is um, there's no lack of work ethic. You know, I've seen a lot of drive, a lot of motivation in these soccer players. And um, I would say that one thing that I can say is that um, that the, the players are willing to they're not they're not going out there um, to, to, you know, for lack of a better word, half-ass their, their training. They're going out there to, to try to be the best version of, them, of themselves. And so that's, that's something that I've, I've um, held on to. And I've also noticed that players and their parents now are getting better at locating the resources to, to help bridge that gap for themselves. So you're never in it alone. Um, there's always going to be people out there that know a little bit more information and can help you along the way. So the, the players I see successfully getting back, um, they're just locating multiple resources to help them bridge that gap, that gap for themselves. Uh, a quick question. Um, like who, are you, who are you targeting when, when, when you're marketing for your business? Are you marketing players? Are you marketing parents? You know, that's a good question. So I do both. Um, you know, it's important to, to be able to, to like reach directly towards the, the players and, and um, you know, help them understand what I do that, that would benefit them. But I think that um, when it comes down to, especially with youth athletes, you have to talk to the parents and they're the decision makers. Um, you know, they're, they're the ones that are gonna be able to, to communicate some of those problems when, when kids um, aren't maybe even understanding the full picture yet. And uh, so there's, there's definitely marketing on both sides to try to make sure that it's uh, reaching the right people. So one of the things that I also kind of realized that players are starting to learn more about is they're not going to go from zero minutes to 90 minutes um, in a week or so. And there's a lot of things where you – don't want to pull from directly out of the professional game and say, Hey, that's what the pros do. So let's do it too. Um, but I think in the professional game, there's a lot of examples where you can point to players that are maybe young and up and coming and, and have gone through an injury. Like for example, Gabriel Martinelli and his knee injury um, players see that and they actually learn from that. And they say, Hey, I'm not going to go from playing zero to 90 in a week. It's going to be a gradual transition of me, ramping up my playing time so I can get back to my 100%. Um, so that's just another thing that I think that players are starting to learn and realize. And it's not like other sports, for example, American football, where it's common to play very banged up and hurt with serious injury. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think that um, there's, there's so many more examples of that showing up now in the international game. And uh you know, another example that I've been keeping an eye on as a Barcelona fan is like Samuel Umtiti. I mean, the guy's had a really long road to recovery. And you see, even with, with um, PK out, with injury out there, I mean, you still have the opportunity for him to, to play 30 minutes here, 
60 minutes here and, and be able to build through training um, to be ready for those, those 90 minute competitions when the time's right. You know, you speak, now that you brought up this point, Andy was devastating when that injury, when that injury happened. Andy was very devastating. Now, when talking about this, right, you know, players, they get the injury, you know, they, they're trying to return the play. They know they're not going to get the minutes uh, that they're going to need because, you know, you need a grad, like Andy said, you need a gradual exposure before you, you and you won't be able to do it either because you won't have the stamina for it. So, uh, players go into a mode of, they go into a little bit of depression because injury is not just physical, it's mental. Do you feel like you're dealing with this too, the, the, the mental aspect um, of injury in, in, in your line of work? Absolutely. So I think that one thing that I, I try to explain to the parents and to the kids when I'm, when I'm you know, talking to them before we, we decide on anything is that I'm a coach as much as I am uh, a physical therapist. And so, you know, with that comes the territory of being really open about communication. Um, you know, kids are not, most kids are not going to be super comfortable sharing their, their like mental health um, status and if they're going through something. Um, but, you know, you can, you can find ways to address that without them being the ones to initiate it. And, um, you know, you create avenues. So absolutely, that's a big part of, of what I've been discovering, uh, working with this population and getting so much one-on-one -on -one time to communicate with them. Yeah, very, very important. Um, very important to take that into full consideration because especially in, in today's environment, like players often have their identity as a soccer player yeah. or as as whatever and now they're injured pulling that away from them and it's covid pulling their entire environment away from them and that's that's very very tough mentally for anybody absolutely and you know the the benefit is when you see that as a professional like you uh berg um and myself i think that that we know that there's there's some ways that you can try to to bring the game to them you know we're all we're all fans of the game um we all are active in it too and so you know we can get creative with how we we um bring that game closer to to the players and stuff so you know doing things like getting getting the soccer ball out in, in rehab even if it's not you know close to their 100 percent participation just having that ball in their hands um, hopefully being able to touch it to their feet at, at some point along that rehab process, um, that can make a big difference to them kind of identifying with that, with that soccer player mentality. You know, you know, it's funny. Uh, um, the last kid I treated, yeah, I think he was 17 year old kid, um, ACL and, um, I think they, they did uh, some sort of meniscus quote on him too. And, uh, he was, he was so banged up. He was, he, he was so, so, so depressed. Like he he didn't like when I brought up even soccer to him. <laughs> like I was just, I was so excited because I don't see a lot of athletes in my clinic. So when I do, I, I scrub my hand. I'm I'm getting crazy. I'm getting to get hands on. And this kid wanted nothing to do with me. He's like, yo, can we not talk about soccer? Like I couldn't even talk about the games. Like I couldn't do it because <laughs> he was so depressed. He was like, right now, man, I'm I'm trying to stay away from anything soccer related. Right? can see right now I, I can't do it 
I was like, oh, yeah. wow. It's... Sorry, bro. <laughs> it, it was bad. It yeah. Took me, it took a while. It took, it took him a while to warm up like three months later. But took him a while. Hey. And he, he, told, he went out his way to tell you that's great for him. I mean, no, that's but, amazing to have that communication. Yeah, I was, I was pushing. I was, I was, I was too <laughs> excited. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> that happens, man. And, and I guess that just is a good reminder that, like, they're all, everybody's their own individual. And, you know, some kids are going to be putting that attention to playing FIFA. Um, and some of them just want to shut it out and not think about it. And, and um, you know, they'll come back, come back around when they're ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So there's a lot that players can clearly improve on when it comes to returning to play. And this advice is kind of targeted directly to the player. So if you're listening and you're a player, this is going to empower you. Um, you mentioned communicating with your healthcare provider. Um, you mentioned keeping it simple. Uh, what other recommendations do you have for players themselves to improve on their own return to sport process? Yeah, so it, it's just like anything else. When you're trying to reach a goal, and your goal in this case is getting back to playing competitive soccer, you want to keep everything goal-directed. So, you know, this, is, this comes back to things that you guys have talked about before, um, you know, recovery. If you're, if you're in your rehab, like, world right now, it's just as important to hydrate, eat well, and get your sleep as it ever was. Um, so keep, keep those things in mind. This is a lifestyle shift that needs to take place and it doesn't change just because, you know, you're not on the field right now. Um, it will help you along that way. Um, other things that I would say, um, you know, like we said, don't try to overcomplicate. So just keeping those, those processes simple, um, what's going to be the, the needle mover, what's going to move me closer to my goal. So choosing those things. Um, writing these things down so you can hold yourself accountable and that return to sport is not the same thing as return to participation. So, you know, returning to participation means to some degree, you know, you could be out on the grass and, and being around the game, you know, it might be um, playing some one, two touch passes. Maybe you're working on change changing speeds or changing directions, um, taking some shots or whatnot, but it doesn't mean you're quite ready for, you know, the full contact, you know, game and, and the reaction components. So there's, there's graded exposure that exists between those, those different levels. And um, if you're, if you're working along that goal direction, like we talked about, um, you know, you can come a long way in, in a little bit of time by doing some really good return to participation work. And that was some fuego in there. So goal-directed, having a plan, writing it down, proper recovery. These are things that you guys should be – it sounds like things which you should be doing in your fitness program already. Um, but if you're injured, maybe it's a time to reinvestigate that and see, am I doing everything? Am I checking all the boxes off? Um, I think that's super important, and especially the goal-directed part because – we often think about the end goal, right? Playing 90, playing 120, um, making it back in time for the championship. But there are several things that happen in between. And when we go back to the field for the first time, we often think that the next thing to do 
is to make that big jump. Um, but what are some of the little jumps that players can make in between that can not only boost their confidence, but like help improve them from playing 30, 60 minutes to 90 minutes overall? Yeah, absolutely. So just like you said, you want to set those, this stuff up to be the small wins that you can get that are going to be really good boosts for your like mental and focus and your physical abilities. Um, that's a good question. I think that um, <clears throat> things that I look for when I'm, when I'm working with people is being able to, to um, take your, your training from a standpoint of planned and prepared to reaction. That's a, a big step along the way. Um, if you're at a point where, you know, you know, I'm going to be running to this cone and then there, and then doing this, um, you know, you take that next level step to, uh, create like a, a response organized, uh, drill to, to like, let yourself, uh, get into a natural state, instinctive response to see how much you've been able to influence, uh, your movement patterns along the way. So if you're at that stage, that'd be a really good small step to get you ready for, for the game. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. The, um, I like to call that the, uh, the tomato versus, um, Alfonso Davies effect where you remember, and if you guys were watching the, the champions league where, uh, Davies was running up and down the wing, he stopped on a dime. And Semedo stopped too. And then Davies kept on going. And then Semedo was left in the dust. And it's that moment, like when you're a player and you're defending someone and you're like, I got him, I got him. They're in front of me. I'm shuffling this and that. And then he beats you. And you're like, damn, he got me. Like that cognitive process, that's something that can be improved and that needs to be in your end stage rehab too. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that uh, moment will live on forever in my nightmares. <laughs> me as well oh my lord i remember exactly Miller where i was, was. Like, oh my god like what just happened like that <laughs> he was left in the bus i was like oh whew. you don't know how fast these guys are until they go up against somebody who you already qualify as like yeah. extremely speedy i mean tomato is not a he's a super he's not, athletic he's defender he's not slow. <laughs> yeah it's amazing but yeah, man, I think that's some great advice for the players too, because this is something that you can do with a friend too, right? If, if you're done with formal rehab, all you got to do is say, hey, teammate, help me out here. I need you to just maybe let's point out a few cones labeled one, two, and three. And when I get to one cone, you just tell me what cone to go to and I have to get there as quickly as possible. And then you do that for a few weeks and then um, you say, okay, we're going to add a ball in and then we're going to add maybe two or three cones after that. And before you know it, you start thinking that that fast instinctual thinkness that you were talking about, that that starts to come back. And it's better to have that feeling of, oh, damn, I just got got in a training session with your friend than on the first time on the field in a competitive match. That's so true. And, you know, even taking it from the standpoint of like, instead of just using the audio, audio cues, taking it to visual cues. So instead of them having to say one, two, three, or red, blue, yellow, pointing to something, mm -hmm. pointing in a direction, you know, shifting the ball at their feet a certain way, you know, things that you have to be able to, to look at on the field as well to, to help like create that, that real game type of like 
uh, reaction. When I was training in the summer, uh, I was training my, my, my Sunday league teammates in the summer. So what I would do, <laughs> and then I just thought, oh my God, this will be great for rehab. So what I would do is I have them run along from cone, like cone one to cone two, which is about 10 yards. And as they're dribbling the ball and I'm chuckling balls at them and <laughs> they had to evade, they had to evade the ball. They have to drip, they have to keep their head up, which is very important. They have to keep their head up as they're dribbling the ball because a lot of guys tend to look down as they're dribbling. You chuckle the yeah. ball, so they have to keep their head up, see where the ball is coming so they can dribble, dribble away from the ball. That's a good one. <laughs> That is a good one. I've seen some funny, like, uh, team stuff out there on some of the European leagues where, you know, they'll get some of the physio balls out and yeah. throw them at, at each other in the, in the middle of the field. And um, so I, I'm with you. That's a fun way to – as long as nobody's out there getting hurt, you know. No. Don't no. throw it at their ankles. But, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like some of those players, um, you know, like you said, they take, uh, they take rehab like it's a job, which it's, it's, it is a job at, at – at the same time, you have to incorporate some fun things in there just so, so they can light up. That's so true. Got to keep it. Got to keep it live. We got to make sure that everybody wants to come back and do it yeah. again. Yep, yep, yep. So, um, yeah, we talked a lot about what players without support, um, without strength and conditioning and everything like that, um, how they can improve the rehab process, communication, keeping it simple, having goals, proper recovering, writing things down. For the players, let's say they're in a, a higher level academy or even a semi-professional or, or professional team even, and they have all of these resources, they have a physio, they have strength and conditioning, but for whatever reason, they still don't feel completely comfortable returning to the field when they're told that they can't. Um, what's kind of your advice to them to, to maybe make themselves feel better, even though they themselves are not the only one that influences their, their environment? Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think that, uh, like we, we want to touch on the fact that like this should be an athlete centered experience, mm -hmm. you know, so whether you're 14, 18, um, 24, and you're playing in these different, different league environments, pro, you know, youth development, um, it can really feel like you're, you're missing that control component. Um, but it's important to, to try to um, realize that you're a part of a team game and you're always a part of a team in that situation. And whether you think you have it or not, there's an influence that you have. And um, so take into account what things you can control. Um, you know, the one thing that we can always control is mindset. And um, so set yourself up for, for every day working on that mindset that's going to lead to more success. Um, you know, spend your time with those choices that you know you can make that are going to, that are going to make that difference for you. Um, if you feel stuck, talk about it, you know, um, share that with your coach, share that with your PT or, or whoever else that you might have on board, um, a trainer. And, um, you know, if they're, if they're in it for you, like they, like they ought to be your parents, same thing. Um, they're going to help you solve that problem. So don't ever feel like you're in it alone. Um, it's always a team component to it. Perfect. I love that advice right there. And sometimes it's tough because there are, there are players out there that don't feel 
comfortable having that discussion with their with their providers but guess what it's rehab it's life it's not going to be comfortable all the time but um you got to put in the work put in the effort just like how you want to put in that work to get 90 minutes back on the field channel that energy and instead have a have a tough conversation um in its place but Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, tell yeah, tell everybody so out here, like, where can we find you? We want to learn more about you. How do we connect? Tell us everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one pleasure to be here. So excited to talk to you guys. You know, I'm big fans of, of what you guys are doing. And, um, you know, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me. My primary um, system right now is, is Instagram. So you can find me at Jimmy Daw. So it's J I. M-M-Y-D-H-A-H. So that's just my first and last name. Um, you'll find a lot of my content there. You know, you can directly message me through that, that platform. And, um, you know, look out for me. I'll be around. Uh, JD Soccer PT is my brand. And, um, you know, we'll be coming, coming uh, for some more podcasts, hopefully. And, and uh, you know, showing up for, for all the kids out there, bringing as much um, knowledge and education as I can to make your soccer experience better. Yeah, for sure. And thank you for coming on for the players out there. If, if you're anywhere in Fresno or anywhere on the world, cause this guy, he, he works on, online as well. So if you want to reach out to Jimmy, highly recommend he knows what he's doing and he'd be a great resource for every player out there. I appreciate that. Yeah. Around the world right now, I got, I got us market, but, uh, okay. you know, I'm trying to get to those, those English speaking systems right now. And then we'll work on my Spanish to see if I can reach some more countries. <laughs> uh, there we go. Jimmy and Mexico. Let's go. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on the show. Um, hope you have a good evening and, and always welcome here. I appreciate that. Thanks guys.